The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Manifesting toxic sensitivity. Post-Y2K man, connecting, sharing, emoting, willing to interface, well, actually, inter-ear. On the Doctor is in. That's what this program is, Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, coming to you and you coming to it. If you'd like to be part of it, it's real simple. Much, much more simple than I had to pursue to be part of it. I had to beg and grovel and plead. And they finally said, okay. And then I pled and groveled and pleaded more and no they they were very good about this all the way back Ave way way back and then they cooperated so much with EWTN and we bring the program to you through the cooperation of those two wonderful entities the number 877-573-7825-877-57 equal if you would like to call with a question about something in your life, a helpful suggestion for somebody else, a generally helpful suggestion. People have been calling in with stuff like that, and more or less saying, hey, this is what I did when I was a mother. This is what I did when I was a spouse. This is what I did to deal with this difficult person. This is what I did to make my life better. This is what I did to walk closer to Christ. Anything like that, you people are a treasure trove of really good stuff. And besides that... I'm finishing up my latest book, and I don't have any other book in my mind. So I'm going to need you to spur me on with good material. 877-57-EQUAL. That is the number to call to get in the program. I've been noticing that a lot of ladies do all kinds of fancy stuff with their nails. I mean, really Really fancy stuff. It's not just the old days where people just kind of clear-coated their nails. They, oh, no. they. I mean, they paint the Mona Lisa on them, etc. I noticed this. Or maybe they print out letters on each nail that says something, and you have to hold up all ten nails to know the code. And I know women use fragrances to be more appealing. But the problem is the ladies use perfumes that that smell like flowers you know guys are not into flowers that much i'm marketing i'm planning on it i haven't really gotten the financial backing yet but i am planning a series a series of perfumes for women that would be more appealing to men uh my newest one is called new car interior 
Then I've got axle grease and uh, ball field dust. So I think those are, you know, three cents that would indeed make a person more attracted. All right. Let me see what my, I had this here. Where was it here? Uh, Oh, yeah, that's what it was. At night, my wife and I will frequently relax on the recliner, and we'll pick out a series that we think is informative or entertaining, and we'll watch. Okay, she doesn't, I do, and then she kind of looks at me like, Ray, what are you doing? Quit, Quit being a psychologist. But the dialogue. Most recent series we watched involved the FBI. The particular law enforcement officers, a good percentage of the time, did something that I've talked about on this program that parents do. Example. Okay, we need to uh, need to set up a perimeter, a one-mile-out perimeter, Okay. You uh, best follow up on uh, that that lead, okay? I noticed that after giving an instruction or a command, a good percentage of the time, the word okay followed it. I don't know why that is. I don't think that would be written into the actual script. My guess would be that the actors and the actresses are just sort of trying to look more conversational about this. Now, parents will come into my office and they will want to make some changes. They won't like the way things are happening in their home. So we will talk about setting up some rules and setting the child down. And explaining the new rule to the child and what the parent's going to do. Calm. Even tempered. And then I have to warn the parents. When you explain your new rule to Butkus, don't say, okay. Don't say, all right. Don't say, do you understand? You're not asking him if it's okay. My theory is that as the new and enlightened, psychologically correct way to interact with children has taken deep, deep root the last 30, 40, 50 years in our family culture, everybody wants to be nicer. And that's good. You got you got to be nicer. I don't have any argument with that. You don't have to be a dicta- dictator. As a matter of fact, good disciplinarians are among the nicest of people because they don't yell and scream and argue and debate and get frustrated. But somehow, when you tag okay on the end of something you're telling someone to do, be it a child or be it an FBI agent, It makes it sound, I guess, like this is all just a joint cooperation. I didn't order you to set up a perimeter one mile out. I told you, and then I kind of tagged on, I I hope you agree. 
Now, some might say, oh, come on, Ray, you're getting way carried away with this okay thing. Some might say, well, they're just asking if that's possible. Well, obviously, it's not, po- it's not, not possible because they told him to do it. But I noticed that just, just recently. It started hitting me, and I started paying attention, and I noticed that people in authority giving some kind of instruction or direction to someone not at their level of authority, a percentage of the time tacked on okay. I guess that's supposed to make it more democratic, more let's all just cooperate here, I guess. But I will tell you, Pay attention to parents, especially for the younger kids. And okay has become an addendum in their instructions. Uh, We're getting ready to leave, Johnny. Get your coat, okay? Hey, you need to tell Grandma thank you for the pie that she gave you, okay? Hey, we're getting into the car. Getting into the car now. Get your seatbelt on, okay? Notice it. It is there. It is pervasive. Well, uh, I'm looking at the clock here, and I am going to take a break. Okay? What kind of a God do you have? Don't say my God. It's your God, too. Don't give it to us. We have enough troubles with our own God. But there's only one God. All the advice, none of the bills. Come in. The doctor is in. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I said to the churches one day, what do you think you're going to look like in heaven? Oh, some of them had absolutely magnificent ideas. I didn't think of one of them. So I got desperate because then my turn came. I didn't know what to say. And so in desperation, I said, what do you think I'll wear in heaven? And they all said with one voice, armor. (laughs) EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. This Ave Maria radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at FathomEvents.com. That's FathomEvents.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.
Y2 Ray Ready. No new age stuff here. Mostly middle age and beyond. Good to have you with me. Real nice to have you with me, my compatriots there in Ann Arbor, Andrew Kruchek, the producer man, and the very bored operator. I said he wouldn't be so bored if he listened a little more closely. Maybe he'd find something interesting in it, but he is the bored operator. And Eric Dumont, call screamer. You talk to Eric generally when you first call, as did Linda from Nebraska. And she put this she put this so well. There's the there's the hint of psycho speak. If if Eric put this down pretty much verbatim, as Linda said it, she said her six year old grandson has trouble working through his emotions. Now that sounds like something, Linda, that a psychologist would say. Linda. Hi, Dr. Ray. There you go. All right. Did you use that phrase? Work, work, did you use that phrase, working through his emotions? I did. Okay. All right. Well, what makes Probably you think... Probably because I listen to you a lot. <laughs> well, what, what makes you think that um, his emotions are the problem here? Well, I've had some pretty long conversations with my daughter about what's going on, and she actually said the same thing, that he gets upset about something, and when he gets upset, he escalates quite quickly into um, whatever behavior is it's pretty wild, not, huh? Not acceptable. Does yeah. he does he throw things? Does he kick things? Does he scream and yell? What's he do? Sometimes he will um, do things physically, but most of the time, it's um, crying, mm. a little bit of yelling. Okay. He, uh, six. He just, is he in? He is he in first listen. grade? Is he in first grade? He's um, yes, I believe. Kindergarten or first grade. Okay, so if if he is in if he's in kindergarten or heading into the first grade, he's had a year of schooling. I guess is what I'm getting at. He's had a year of schooling. He has right? had it. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I I would imagine that the school people have called your daughter consistently and said, "Yeah, we're just having trouble controlling him because whenever he doesn't get what he wants, he just melts down." Well, actually, last year, he had a different teacher, oh. and so our our thought is that that teacher knew how to calm him down or deal with whatever the frustration was so that it didn't escalate. Well, that's very nicely put, Linda. That's very nicely put on your part, but what I was getting at is he doesn't do this for his teacher. He does it for his mom. Oh, um, actually, this year it's happening in school, and that's where our okay. concern is. When they, when they have it happen at home, they give him consequences, which they know will make him think, and then he will stop. Well, well, okay, he'll he'll stop in the middle of the fit, or he'll the fit will burn itself out, and then it'll be a while till the next one. 
I would say that, yes, it, it, it de-escalates when they give him an ultimatum, and okay. um, then he's fine. I'm going to give it, you... All right, I'm going to give you the the ratio here, Linda. First of all, one of the things that developmentally you could look at is that emotional tirades, and, and it certainly I would suspect, I don't know your grandson, but I would suspect there's nothing wrong with his emotions. He just lets them loose too freely and too often. Um, one of the developmental aspects of emotional tirage is that they are typical of two and three-year-olds. When you have a six-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 15-year-old doing this, and there are plenty now, it generally, I'd say, I'm going to say, I'm going to go so far as to say 90% of the time, the parents are underestimating what they need to do. Many who come to my office think, well, we discipline, we put consequences on him, and he just continues to do this. And almost always, Linda, when we talk, I find out that, oh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, Typically, they'll follow through, maybe. Or what is most often the way it is, is that their consequences are really not uh, heavy enough. Here's a six-year-old who's throwing a temper fit. When he doesn't get his way. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. Well, it sounds like from what you're saying anyway. And you say, but he's now doing it at school. Uh, not too surprising because two things. One, if he runs up against a weak disciplinarian teacher. Now, my guess would be the teacher last year uh, you said was better at calming him down. My guess would be he probably didn't do much of that for that teacher. That'd be my guess. So, because if he gets on, if he gets on a roll, you know you can't calm him down. He's on a roll. So that's the first thing. Now, this teacher this year may not be as I don't want to say strict, as as confident, as firm a disciplinarian, and he reads that. So he's pushing on this person. That's one. And two, he's getting a little older. And when you get older, and you do this at home. It starts to trickle into other places. Starts to trickle into grandma. Starts to trickle into babysitters. It starts to trickle maybe uh, playing sports. School. Now, most of the time, and that was the reason I asked you that question. Most of the time, they don't do this at school at age 6 or age 8 or even age 10, 12. They don't do it at school. It's a dynamic between the parent and the kid. Now, this is not to say your daughter's doing anything wrong. I suspect she's not. It's to say she probably needs to tell your little grandson, for example, what's his name? Uh, it's, you want to make it up? It's, uh, yeah. Okay, Johnny. Well, I'll call him Johnny. Johnny. Little, little Johnny. She'll tell little Johnny, you know, Johnny, you're way too big to act like that when something doesn't go the way you want it. Way too big. You're six. Here's what we're going to do. When you throw a fit like that, the next five things you ask for are going to be no. And if you throw a fit because you heard the no, then we just start over. If I find out from your teacher that you did this to your teacher, when you come home that night, you're going to go to bed early. You're not going to be allowed to go outside. 
I'm going to write down a letter of apology to your teacher, and you're going to copy it. And you're not going to have any privileges at all. Now, that's what we're going to do. Now, if you want to melt down like that, just know what's going to happen. Typically, that knocks it out almost completely within a few weeks. Almost completely. Okay. What's happening? Linda, there's no pathology here in all likelihood. Here's a little guy that's just... My guess would be if I talk to your daughter, my guess would be she gets frustrated with his behavior because it isn't just the meltdowns, that he's kind of chronically sort of defiant. He argues. He wants his way. She negotiates with him. She tries to calm him down. Is, is that somewhat what's going on? I think... I think it was that way. Um, he's as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little better, but it's just certain things that trigger him. Like he might be really, really good for her, and then something happens that okay. he, for whatever reason, gets upset about. Well, that's and, okay. That's right. He's allowed to get upset. He's not allowed to throw a fit. We don't have to find right. necessarily the reasons behind his fit, especially if there's no rhyme or reason to him. You think, wow, yesterday he had this exact same thing happen. He didn't get upset. Today he got upset. What's going on? Mm -hmm. So most of the time it's just uh, unknown factors. He's sleepy or he's hungry or he's had a rough, I don't know, just a whole bunch of stuff. But it isn't anything that you necessarily have to find. You more or less have to say whatever it is that is at the root of this unpredictable outbursts this is what we're going to do that's what that's strongly what i would suggest i have a book called discipline that lasts a lifetime it deals with temper tantrums it deals with parental consistency it deals with all kinds of stuff it's on my website uh if she doesn't have it i think it would help her an awful lot all righty okay thank you linda thank you so much i'll talk to you Uh bye bye Now, do you see what I just did? I did it unconsciously, and as soon as it was coming out of my mouth, it's like it's like one of those when you're in a dream and slow motion comes out of your mouth, and and you want to pull it back. Do you know what I did? did? When I said to Linda, I said something about, and I went, "Alrighty," which was really a version of "Okay." I know I wasn't monitoring me close enough in that. Some might object. Some might say. Dr. Ray, all you're doing is you're putting a stop to his unruly meltdowns. That's all you're doing. You're not teaching him to behave well. You're not teaching him the reasons behind why he should behave well. First of all, my answer to that is I have no doubt that this little guy's mom has done this. I'm sure she's explained to him herself blue in the face. On all this. She's tried to instruct him. She's tried to compromise and negotiate. She's tried to do all that. Did you hear what Linda said? She said, yeah, she used to do that, but now it's getting out of control. And that's typically what happens. You you begin when they're younger saying, okay, let's all just get along. I'll distract you. I'll explain to you. I'll reason with you. And then, and then you'll all calm down as you get older. But then that doesn't happen. And then he's bigger and the fits are a little more intense. And sometimes they're a little more frequent. Instead of fading, they get more. And so you got to stop them because it's very difficult to teach when an individual is completely capable at any time 
of vehemently rejecting your teaching through an outburst. Think about this. You're in a marriage, and you're trying to tell your spouse how you feel about something. And you you can pretty well predict that if you tell your spouse this, there's going to be a fight. It's going to get angry. It's going to be defensive. Well, unless those stop, it's very difficult to get your point across. Same thing with little kids. When they got the ability to melt down, why wouldn't they? with Teresa Tomio. Learn and spread the word about the food, clothing, parenting classes, financial assistance that these resource centers provide moms, and not just for a few weeks after the baby is born, but often for up to four years after birth. Don't assume that just because you haven't heard about pro-life resources or efforts that they don't or aren't available or that the church hasn't been involved. The media, and I know this firsthand from my years of experience, have been working with the abortion industry to suppress information about resources, as well as totally misrepresent or blatantly lie about what the pro-life community offers moms and families in need. And last but not least, do some homework and prayerfully give thanks to these pro-life warriors and consider becoming a pro-life warrior yourself. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. How does the Catholic Church regard the economy and social justice? The Catholic Catechism states the development of economic activity and growth in production are meant to provide for the needs of human beings. Economic life, first of all, is ordered to the service of persons, the whole man and the entire human community. Human work comes from persons who have been created in the image and likeness of their Creator God, who commissions them to prolong the work of creation by subduing the earth both with and for one another. Work is a duty, says the Catechism. St. Paul writes, If anyone will not work, let him not eat. Work honors the gifts and talents God has bestowed on His creatures. Work can be redemptive, when its hardships are placed in union with Jesus. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. One comedian said, speaking of wasted words, he says, we use words like awesome and wonderful, like they're candy. We do. Awesome. Oh, she's awesome. Oh, that was awesome. Oh, it was amazing. We use the word amazing to describe a fast food sandwich. What are you going to have left when your first kid's born? How will you describe the joy of this first child? You've already used amazing on a sandwich. You've already used awesome on a trip. It's an awesome, it's an awesome trip, awesome trip. Oh, it's an awesome restaurant. Oh, man. It's a, it was wildly awesome. See, then you got to start adding adjectives because awesome doesn't do it. Amazingly awesome. 
I've just how do you describe God? I've already used up my big words on a bike riding trip, a sandwich, a car. Oh, oh, we just oh we just we just bought a twenty twenty three. I'll tell you what, it is incredible. Wildly, wildly amazing. Well, okay, what do I what do I say about God? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good up there. I, I sure like God. Let's go to Sarah from Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Dr. A. How are you, my dear? Good. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're more than welcome. You sound like a very young mother. <laughs> I have three little kids. Three um, little ones, My huh? oldest is five in kindergarten. My youngest is eight months. Have you uh, have you uh, crossed the threshold of getting abuse now from people? <laughs> Not yet. No. Nobody? Your doctor isn't bringing out the uh, pamphlets to tell you how to uh, control your births? <laughs> You having other people go? You really have your hands full. You have you run across. I that do yet? get the hands full. I do okay. get the hands full. Yeah. Comment a lot. You got to just tell them. Nah, I'm planning on more. This is nothing. This is just a good start. That's all this is. I'm just getting practice. Oh, my husband says that all the time. People would say, "What are you going to have? Twelve kids?" And he's like, "Why stop there?" Good for him. See that? But you know, <laughs> notice that comment. That is abusive. Ah, sh- that shouldn't say abusive. That's too strong a word. But that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's um, it's a commentary. You know. Well, are, are you going to stop? In other words, you've yeah. got enough now, Sarah. You've got three, <laughs> and I'm going to assume yep. that you have a boy and a girl in that bunch. We have two boys and a girl. There you go. You've got your boy and your girl. Now stop it. You're, al- you're allowed to have three children if the first two are girls or the first two are boys. But other than that, that's it now. Yep. Okay. Sorry, honey. I'm just having some fun with this whole we can abuse loving, committed mothers in our culture. Well, where's this disagreement coming from? So... um. My husband and I are kind of struggling with our five-year-old now who just started kindergarten this year. Um, And we usually agree on when to punish. Uh, Well, we almost always agree on when to punish. It's like the intensity of the punishment um, is when we disagree. And I'm just going to use the example of today. Um, but so he, our five-year-old showed me some disrespect before school today and it was pretty bad. And, and after talking about it with my husband, um, my husband thinks that when he comes home from school, then he should go to his room and stay in his room until supper time. And then after supper time, go to, go to bed for the night. And okay. I, I'm feeling like that's too intense for a five-year-old. And, and, and what do you think it'll do to your son? What kind of damage? Oh, 
know. <laughs> he just won't you know have any to, fun tonight. I, 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 okay, I there's two. It comes down to a couple of things, Sarah. One. You said he was extremely disrespectful. He didn't he didn't say something like, oh, Mom, stomp it. And he didn't just do that. Apparently there was an argument, and he got kind of snooty in this argument. So he's really disrespectful. Yeah. And your husband is yeah. saying, we're going to stop this kind of disrespect. It's not going to happen. And so, therefore, mm-hmm. I'm going to give him a consequence he's going to feel. Now, you're not putting it in, in the backyard chained to a tree. You send him to his room, okay? He's probably got all kinds of stuff in there. He's got the side-by-side refrigerator freezer. He's got the Disney World roller coaster ride. He's got 82 stuffed animals. This is not exactly isolation to Upper Siberia. So your husband says, this is what I want to do. And you're saying, no, no, I think you'll hurt him. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You you jump in here. No, I, I... I just feel like at five years old, then like an hour would suffice. It would still hurt, but it wouldn't be all night. But he doesn't get any time at home outside of school. Sarah, does your husband love your children? Yes, very is he much. A good, is he a good daddy? He is a good dad. So are you saying to him, I don't like your discipline. You need to stop it because I think you're excessive. What did you say? Well, how will you decide in the future? I mean, he's a loving daddy. He wouldn't hurt your kid. You know, you you didn't say he's going to come home and he's just going to wail on his backside. You didn't say that. You said he's going to send him to his room, come out to eat, and then go back to bed. Because he probably goes to bed at 7 o'clock anyway. So it's not exactly that long. He's in his bedroom. All right. He's not. He's not even... In a fruit cellar. Okay, he's in his bedroom. So given that, your husband says, I don't want him doing that to you. And I'm going to put a consequence on him that he's going to feel. And you say, well, if I had my choice in this, I wouldn't do that. Okay, but I'll tell you something that worked very well for my wife and I. Very, very well. At one point, Sarah, our ten children... We're 12 and under. Can you imagine the chaos in a house with 10 kids, 12 and under? We had a rule to avoid discipline differences. The rule was this. The parent who invokes the discipline rules. If I come home and I said, I want to take Andrew with me to basketball, and my wife said, no, no, he, uh, today he gave me a lot of trouble over his schoolwork. He's not gone. He's gone to bed early. Now, I want him to go to basketball with me. It's cool. It's daddy, daddy kid time. But my wife said no. She rules. And that works very well for us. Because if you start arguing about discipline now, then there's going to be so many opportunities for you to say, well, I wouldn't do that. And he says, well, I would. And you say, I wouldn't. I would. As long as he's not abusive or nasty or over the top, and it doesn't sound like he is, then his discipline is just more strict than yours. That's the best way to put it.
Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does this strange beatitude mean? Well, Father Victor Feltz points out that George Bailey, in It's a Wonderful Life, embodies this beatitude. He has to sacrifice his bucketless items and his dreams in order to save the building and loan company of Bedford Falls. But by the end of the movie, he realizes that he's truly the richest man in town. The Beatitudes challenge our understanding of happiness both as individuals and as a society. They're paradoxical and they upend our priorities. We don't need anyone to tell us that good fortune, money, and success do often make us happy. But we wouldn't have thought that the road to riches in God's kingdom is paved with meekness. It doesn't mean denying your gifts, but it does challenge us to allow others to have the spotlight and to approach them with gentleness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. Sanctity is not an outgrowth of a person's political opinions. Sainthood is about the demonstration of heroic virtue, and that has virtually nothing to do with a person's politics. Not all political views are equally good, but whatever your political view, you can be a saint. Because being a saint doesn't mean that you have all your intellectual opinions perfectly formed. It means you have been purged of disordered self-love, and you have put on Christ. The late Cardinal George used to say, the church is not conservative or liberal. The church is Catholic. Dorothy Day, was she conservative or liberal? Oscar Romero, conservative or liberal? St. John Paul II, conservative or liberal? We have a different agenda, even when it comes to the social order. But our primary agenda is sainthood. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. By the way, heading to Billings, Montana. Next week, Monday, Tuesday night, going to be taping Living Right with Dr. Ray at their local Catholic high school. You want information on how to be in the audience, go to BillingsCatholicRadio.com where you can register to be in the audience for EWTN. Living Right with Dr. Ray, 13th season tapings. I've already got stuff planned with our audience. It's a lot of fun. Love to have you there. If you want to stay for both shows, we feed you in between. A lot of people come for all, all four shows, believe it or not. They come for the first one. They go, boy, I had so much good time. I want to I want to stay. And we love to have you stay. Bigger the audience, the better. BillingsCatholicRadio.com to register. Just a few more comments before I go to Ray on that call. A couple of things. It's not unusual for young parents to come into my office and there'll be differences in the discipline style. I mean, humans are different. We're different in our personalities. We're different in our tolerance level. We're different in our emotional trips, which we're, all, we're just different. It's not unusual to approach kids differently with discipline. Well, if, if for example, the wife says, I'm just, I just, I get a little nervous. He, he seems kind of intimidating. I said, well, will he hurt the children? Oh, no, no, no. He's an extremely loving father. Will, will he get carried away? Will he scream? No, no, he doesn't do that. So what are you saying? Well, I, I just wish he would, I think he would just discipline softer. And I'll say, so you want him to discipline more like you? And they look at me, and they don't know what to make of that. And then they go, yeah. 
<laughs> I go, well, is he a woman? N- no, I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't want to gender assume, but I don't think so. Well, then allow him to be a man with the strength and authority of a good daddy. Good daddy. I mean, we used to understand that dads were stricter than moms, and that's not so much the case anymore. But it used to be a general observation. Dads are more strict than moms. Moms are more willing to negotiate, to talk it through, to talk it out, to remind, to try to settle it out, where dads are more likely to say, that's enough, sit down. End of story. So in situations like this, if you just think that the discipline is more than I would do, because that's why I asked. That's why I asked our caller. I said, do you think it'll damage your son? Because that's a lot of times what's at the bottom of this. Well, is it going to psychologically damage him? And she said, no. Okay. So then it's just, oh, see, there's that okay again. It's just a matter of different consequences. My wife was a stricter disciplinarian than I am. Believe it or not, she had to be. She had to be. She homeschooled all the kids at one point, all of them. She was really good at knowing all kinds of stuff, too. When, you, when you're monitoring 80 courses, you, you get to know a lot of stuff. And because of that, she had to be a little less negotiable about things. I didn't challenge it. She's, she's mom. She's there. She, she said, Andrew's gone to bed early tonight. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but we were going we to. And she said he's gone to bed early. Okay. Now, there's an interesting dynamic here, and I didn't mention this, but Ray's going to mention it for me because it's very, it's very common, and I frequently tell guys to do this. Ray from Kentucky. Hi, Ray. Hi, Dr. Ray. How you doing? Okay, sir. So you noticed something about the motive for Dad's discipline. Uh, I think he's trying to protect his wife, and, and she needs to respect that. I, I think he senses that, um, you know, little boys can be holy terrors, and they will walk over anybody they look at as weak. And sometimes it takes a firm hand. I won't use the term strong, but a firm hand with them. And uh, Dad is um, um, trying to protect his wife from future abuse Um, i think that she would i think right now because the little guy is only five uh she naturally feels soft for him he's only five years old on the other hand you're right uh dad is essentially i think and i'm just speculating because i don't know the dynamics is stepping in to say you're not going to do that to your mom that's not going to happen and it, it used to be in our culture before i think psychological correctness took over it used to be that it was recognized that, by and large, the men, the guys, the husbands, were a little less negotiable in discipline. That that used to be right. understood. Dad's speed limit's 20 and mom's 50. Okay, I got that. I didn't push on my dad like I pushed on my mom. That's just the way it was. I knew it. And, and I think what our callers, she sounds like a delightful mom, what she's learning is that, okay... As the kids get older, we're going to differ in the kind of consequences and discipline and structure and rules we want to put on them. How are we going to get around this? Well, it's 
Simple rule I gave her. Just the one who disciplines rules. That's easy enough. My wife would send the kids from the table for burping the alphabet, Ray. Now, I think every boy needs to know how to burp the alphabet. And if you can burp the alphabet without taking a breath all the way up to M, I'm impressive. Well, my wife just didn't like the alphabet burped at the table. Do you believe that? Jeez. So she said, no burping the alphabet at the table. And if you do, I'm sending you away from the table. Now, I wouldn't, but she did. Okay. But then she sent me away because I burped the alphabet. But I could only go up to, to, to uh, D. I couldn't go as far as some of the kids. Ray, thank you for a great comment. I appreciate it so much, my friend. Thank you. Uh, we're going to get to your comment. Jeremiah wants to speak a little bit, and uh, he wants to make a comment on on Scripture. Okay, Jeremiah, I'm going to take a break here, and then I'm going to come back. But before I take a break, I want to comment a little bit more. The situation happened in our family. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me take the break, come back, I'll comment, and then I'm going to go Jeremiah. This is Dr. Ray. Relax. The doctor is in. I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. What is going to happen to the number of people living alone into their 80s and 90s? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. For various reasons, the number of seasoned saints in their 80s and 90s is climbing fast. Within this decade, the first baby boomers will turn 80. Gray divorce is a thing. And of course, there is the reality of our mortality. As expected, more females will enter their 80s and 90s alone. These statistics are sobering, but they don't have to be depressing. Some like living alone. Many of us have family nearby. But the stats show that families and public policy will be affected greatly by this demographic shift. So what can we do? Plan ahead. Honestly assess your health and abilities and make adjustments, even to your home. Embrace technology to help you on this journey. Build community with your family, friends, and in your parish. And remember, Jesus is always with us. It's a promise. For more, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Going to hang 10. You know how they got that name? Apparently, I guess I haven't surfed. I I tried it once. I couldn't find a surfboard with training wheels. But apparently, when you surf, you have bare feet. I didn't know that. I I wore uh, my gym shoes. And you hang 10. You you put your toes over the front of the board. I guess that's a very hard maneuver. Bear Wozniak would know more about that. Before I go to Jeremiah... Illustrates something I was talking about that there's a certain instinctual pushing upon women more than men among boys. 
And the research says this. I'm not saying anything misogynist. The research says this. So my son, John, was 17. I had left for a several-day engagement. Normally, uh, back in the early days of my speaking career, I didn't leave for more than a day or two or three at a time. Well, this particular time, it was a, a seven-day excursion. I forget why. About the third day, my son John came downstairs at 11.30. And clearly, he had not been to bed yet. And my wife said, Johnny, what are you doing up? It's 11.30. Go to bed, son. And she didn't say okay. He looked at her and just stopped. He didn't move. She told me later, Ray, I saw it flicker across his eyes. Dad's not here. I'm five inches taller than you and 70 pounds heavier. You can't really make me go to bed. Now, he didn't say any of that, but she said, I saw it flickering in his eyes. And she said, John, you need to go to bed, son. So he slowly backed up the stairs. She told me later when I came home, Ray, I have authority. But that young man at age 17 looked at his five foot three, 120 120-pound mother and thought, wait a minute, why are you ordering me around? Now, anybody who says that's not going to happen, it can. I'm not saying it happens all the time. It can. And that's where the presence of a guy is often so very important in situations like that. And I've seen so many guys surrender. Surrender, like our, our previous caller Ray said, surrender the virtue. I call it virtue of protecting their wives. Jeremiah has a comment on that. Hello, Jeremiah. Yes, sir. I do have a comment on that. BD, BD, uh, what's up, Doc? Thank you, sir. Hey, you know what? Much wealth, health, and prosperity to you and your family under the Christ Jesus. Thank you. You you, you have pinpointed so well. Mm. And I love the fact that you don't hold that filter. Neither do I. Sir, you see, as as men, we are, we are those... We are that restriction, but here it is. We have to look at ourselves, be the bad guys, while they looking with a good face. And see, I find that hard as a father of a uh, 21-year-old, a 22-year-old, and I did. I did in-home fathering. So what, what is a lightning to lighten my, the bad guy? Well, you, can, you know what it is, Jeremiah? You, you can be a bad guy, then you can be a nasty bad guy. If you're a bad guy because... I, I, I don't do nasty well. Okay. Do nasty well. So then you're not a bad guy. They perceive you as a bad guy because you're trying to teach them with rules and limits and they don't like that. Yeah. So yes. that's that's different. Yes, so I know my kids were growing up the same thing. It's like when we had to put rules and limits on they didn't like, they yeah. looked at us like, why, why are you doing this? You don't need to do this. But... You remember, you remember the time where... Okay, we didn't have these phones and everything, but if you got the punishment, you had to go stand in the corner. 
Oh, yeah, I recommend a corner all the time. No, no, it wasn't a time out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if your mouth was still loud, you might have some weight over your head. (laughs) Well, yeah, definitely parents were were much more um, forcible three generations ago. There's no question about that. Yes, sir. Uh, sir. I, I oftentimes tell folks what past generations did, you know, paddling the bottom with a hairbrush or something like that, getting a switch, now would automatically get the parent accused of abuse. Automatically. So you see how cultural shifts take place. In many respects, parents have, have swallowed the whole notion that you can consistently reason with children to get them to behave. And uh, that's a minority of kids. The majority of kids you are going to have to set limits and enforce them. I hope your 21- and 22-year-olds still don't see you as the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, because they, they left, and uh, when they fled home, they fled home under the influence that, okay, when they're 18, that they're grown. I never, I never enforced that to them, but the incubator, a.k.a. the mother, uh, we, we had to, I, I had to deal with it because I did so many years raising them, and I, and I wasn't in the state. And I had to find out that the state of mind that when I let her into the life of these children, she projected that, okay, well, I can teach you this and I can teach you that. So you raised the the kids by yourself for a lot of years and then their mother reentered the scene and didn't like the way you were doing it. She couldn't comprehend it at all because I couldn't co-parent. It takes a parent to co-parent with a parent. And if you don't have a parent, then you're not co-parenting. Are they with her now? No. One of them is. The other one is world-bound. Okay. You did the best you could, Jeremiah. You didn't set out, I'm sure, to uh, make your kids unruly and rebellious. You didn't set out to make your kids sever the relationship with you. You did the best you could. And if their mother has convinced them that you are the bad guy, and in the worst sense of the word, that is, then as they get taught by reality, as they get taught by life, they may realize inch by inch that daddy knew something about good living. Jeremiah, thank you. I'm up against the clock. I appreciate your call, sir, very much. Okay, folks, I got to run. Don't have a whole lots of time here. Maybe 40, 40 seconds I caught myself saying okay two or three times during this program. We used to have a very, 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 very popular local radio host. Probably the, probably the top show in northeastern Ohio, talk-wise anyway. He said okay, I'd say after every other sentence. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a look at this, okay? Now I think what they need to do in a situation like that is to turn it all around, okay? That's how he spoke. And I pointed it out to somebody locally, and they said, I never noticed it. I listened, and you're absolutely right. So I said something about the fact that we don't notice that. I can't help it. i got to pay attention to the words people use. That's what shrinks do. Thanks for joining me so very much. I hope to see you in Billings, Montana next week. This is Dr. Ray. Walk with God. Okay? For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook.
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.